Let the church say amen again. Amen. 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 I don't know about you, but uh, there is this vibe today, there is this spirit today of revival. That, that folks uh, are coming to, to be revived. We want to be excited about Jesus again. Amen? Amen? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my light and my salvation, I shall not fear. The Lord is my refuge and my strength. The Lord is a very present help in the time of trouble. The Lord is my east and my west, my north and my south. The Lord goes before me, behind me, and on either side of me. The Lord is my Savior. The Lord is my Redeemer. The Lord is my righteousness. The Lord is my all and all. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. The Lord has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has adopted me. He has chosen me. He has accepted me. He has redeemed me. He has forgiven me. He has given me an inheritance. He has sealed me with His Holy Spirit. And He's given His Holy Spirit to me as a down payment. The Lord has called me to be more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. If the Lord be for me, who can be against me? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ gives me power. The blood of Jesus Christ gives me new life. I will not be discouraged. I will not be afraid. I will not be downcast. Today, I will not preoccupy myself with all that's going around in the world and even in my life. Because I am the head and not the tail. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. I am revived. I am renewed. I am refreshed. I belong to him. I am his child. And he is my father. I'm going to be excited about Jesus because he's not dead. He is alive. He is seated on the throne. And his, he's, he's established his throne in the heavens. And his sovereignty rules over all. Somebody ought to say amen. So what I'm saying to you today is don't preoccupy yourself with it. You can't change what's going on in the world. You can't change what God has allowed to happen in your life. He doesn't want you to live under the circumstances. He wants you to live above them. You have to have the mindset like my little basketball team when they, when they, they mess up or the ball goes out of bounds. I say short memory, next play. Short memory, next play. And if the next play doesn't go well, you say short memory, next play. And if we lose the game, you say short memory, next game. Because we are never losers. We're only winners or learners. You can either be life's victim or God's student. And I choose to be God's student today. Teach me, Lord Jesus. Teach me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit today so that I might have joy unspeakable joy. If you understand what I said, say amen. Won't you go ahead and stand up and you don't even have to turn into your Bibles or your electronic devices today because we're only going to read one verse and that verse is Luke 23 verse 34 and it reads, then Jesus said, Father forgive them for they do not know what they do. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today, energize us, continue to revive us, fill us with your word today. Open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of your law. 
This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen? Amen, amen. amen. and amen. You know, you don't put a fire out with more fire. You put a fire out with cold water. And you don't start a fire with cold water. You've got to put a little fire on it. So when you see that the atmosphere, and this may be a word for you on your, with your family or on your job, when the atmosphere is dull and, 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 and dead and, and, and dry, you've got to light it on fire. And the only good thing about something dry is that it catches on fire real quickly. So encourage yourself in the Lord. Don't stay down. He hadn't called us to stay down. He's called us to light a candle in the midst of darkness. Let the church say amen. amen. This is the third and final part of our series entitled Cross Talks. Cross Talk Part 3, How Jesus' Death on the Cross Helps Me Today. The first in our series, we talked about Luke 23 and the thief on the cross. And what we learned is that our situation isn't too big, that our sin isn't too much, and that our surrender will never be too late. We learn from that thief on the cross. And then last week we talked about Jesus looking down as he's hanging from the cross. And he says to Mary, his mother, Mary, behold your son. Think, talking about uh, John, the beloved disciple. And he says to John, son, behold your mother. And so the practical aspects of that is real practical. That God is very practical about the end of our days. It could be that you have people around you who are concerned about when and where and how and why they're going to die. And the, what we learn here is that God is concerned about when we leave. He is concerned about how we leave. But he's also concerned about what we leave. And God is sovereign over all three of those. We don't know when, but he does. We don't know how, but he does. And we don't know what, but he does. And our stewardship says, I need to be concerned about people who are left. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. amen. So imagine yourself with me on your job. And your, your, your office mate or the person next to in your cubicle that you talk to every day is depressed and discouraged and downcast because they're battling with offenses. They're battling with, with injury and they're battling with hurt. And someone has wounded them deeply. And the subject matter that immediately comes to your head is forgiveness. I don't care how spiritual you are. Each one of us, under the sound of my voice, is going to have to grapple with forgiveness. And we have to grapple with forgiveness in two ways. Will we experience the forgiveness of God in our own lives? And will we forgive others who have wronged us? Forgiveness is so important, but forgiveness is often misunderstood. And, and this is not an exhaustive study on forgiveness. As a matter of fact, you need a whole series to deal with the intricacies of forgiveness and the details of forgiveness but what I'd like to do is to give you three talking points. Three talking points where you can invite that loved one or that office worker or that co-worker or that, that friend, that, that neighbor who is grappling with forgiveness to be able to invite them to lunch and say, i got some things I'd just like to discuss with you about forgiveness. No, this isn't exhaustive, but let, let me just give you my, my own testimony. And these are three things. 
Point number one, you can talk to them about the depth of forgiveness. Won't you say the depth of forgiveness? The depth. Forgiveness appears 102 times in the Bible, 49 times in the Old Testament, and 53 times in the New Testament. You're only going to be able to write these down, those of you in the media thing. These are rapid-fire scripture that are up on the board, but I want to give you an idea of how important forgiveness is to God and how important it is and central it is to biblical truth. The first is Matthew 6:12, where Jesus says, for, well, he says for us to pray, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, which is a part of the Lord's prayer. Number two, Matthew 6, 14 and 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Number three, Matthew 18, 21, starting at 21, 21 and 22, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, the Lord says, not seven times, Jesus says, but 70 times seven. Let the church say amen. amen. Number four, Mark eleven twenty-five. when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Luke uh, 6, 37, number 5, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Number 6, Luke 17, 3 and 4, if, anyone believe, if, any, if another believer sins, rebuke that person. If there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Number seven, Romans 12, 18 and 19, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone, dear friends. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Number eight, Hebrews 10, 17 and 18, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds and when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. With regard to Jesus' blood on the cross for us, let the church say, Amen. Amen. Number 9, James 5.15, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. We can pray to forgive sins. Number 10, 1 John 2.12, I write you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. You'll see a pattern of God forgiving us and our responsibility is to forgive others. There is forgiveness in God. Jesus was hanging on the cross and He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Men and women, forgiveness is so important that if you were to read Matthew chapter 18, Peter asked the Lord, Lord, are we to forgive seven times? And the Lord says, no, 70 times, seven times. And that motivates Jesus to tell the story that we affectionately know as the unforgiving servant. The unforgiving servant owed this king 1,000 talents which is millions of dollar, dollars, Bill Gates' kind of wealth that this man could never repay. 
And the scripture says that he goes to him and he begs for forgiveness. And he begs for mercy. And he begs and he acknowledges that he owes. And he says, I'll repay you. And the king has compassion on him and says, I forgive the debt. It is wiped away. However, immediately after being forgiven, this servant goes out and finds another servant who owes him a hundred denarii, one day's worth of wages. And the man does the same thing that he has done. He falls down and begs him, please forgive me. Please forgive my debt. I will pay you. But this man decides to put him in jail. And so the other servants find out about it. And they go and tell the king. They say, king, this man who you've forgiven has put another man who owes him in jail. And the king becomes furious. And he brings that, that man before him and says, how could you do this? I have forgiven you of all of this. And yet this man owes you just this. You should have forgiven him. But because you are unforgiving, take this man away, put him in jail, and hand him over to the torturers. But the passage doesn't stop there. Because Jesus says, and thus and so, everyone will experience the same thing that this man did if they don't forgive. And men and women, the depth of forgiveness is that God wants us to have it because if you don't forgive, you will be handed over to the torturers. You will have hate and anger and malice and bitterness in your heart your relationships with other people will be affected. Your relationship with yourself to be, will be affected. And what we learn with Jesus on the cross is when he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He is making sure that he is our example of forgiveness. So at the backdrop of forgiveness... There is this forgiveness that the King gives to all of us that is so great. That He says, since you've been forgiven of so much, you ought to forgive others of their sin. The depth of the forgiveness is that over and over and over again in the New Testament, we find God requiring us to forgive and God reminding us of His forgiveness in our own lives. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. amen. So point number one is the depth of forgiveness. But point number two, I think we need to be on the same page. So we're going to define forgiveness. We're going to define forgiveness. What is it? Because people misunderstand it. The depth of forgiveness. The definition is forgiveness is a decision to no longer credit to the account of the offender the wrong done against you. It doesn't mean to justify their wrong. It doesn't mean to excuse their wrong. It doesn't mean to pretend their wrong didn't happen or to ignore their wrong. Let me stop right there. Because many people feel like 
when Christians talk about forgiveness, that it is a blanket statement that we are required to forgive and forget. No, you don't forget. And many of us have been wounded so deeply that we will never forget. It is almost like the injury that is done against us mirrors the injury that happens with us when we are physically injured. You'll never forget that you broke your leg. You'll never forget that you broke your arm. You will never forget that you had heart surgery. But there can be a point where you will live without constantly thinking about it. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. So forgiveness is a decision to no longer credit to the account the offender, uh, to the account of the offender, the wrong done against you. It doesn't mean to justify it or excuse it or pretend it didn't happen or ignore it. It means you no longer relate to that person based on the infraction. You no longer relate to them that way. There's no longer a barrier, and it can be seen. When you ignored that person because you were harboring unforgiveness, you now no longer ignore them. When you decided to ghost them or didn't want to talk to them anymore, when you forgive, it will open up your mouth. And many women, one of the marks of unforgiveness is that you talk to other people about the offense. And one of the marks of forgiveness is that you stop talking about the offense to other folk. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. 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 So it could be that that brother or that sister that you're talking to about uh, forgiveness doesn't understand forgiveness. And it goes deeper. There are two types of forgiveness. One is transactional and the other is unilateral. Won't everybody say transactional? Transactional forgiveness is the kind of forgiveness when there is a desire for reconciliation and restoration of a relationship. The offender is willing to acknowledge their sin and their wrongdoing, confess, repent of their wrongdoing in order to restore what was broken in the relationship. Many of us stop at transactional uh, forgiveness and we deem other folk not worthy of forgiveness because they didn't confess or they didn't acknowledge or they didn't, 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 didn't give you what you were due and that gives us a free pass, we think, to not forgive them. However, you will see what the focus of transactional forgiveness is. The focus is the restoration of relationship. And there is the possibility to forgive someone and the relationship totally changes. Let me give you an example of, of, of some things that we think are forgiveness but are really not forgiveness. We think that forgiveness means to go back to the relationship that used to be. Or we equate forgiveness with trust. Trust and forgiveness are two different things. Now, I love Carmen, but if she steals my car, we're going to have a problem. Now, I love Carmen so much that if she comes to me and says, well, Pastor Mike, I'm so sorry for stealing your car. It will never, ever happen again. My bad. Will you forgive me? I will say yes. However, 
I'm never leaving my car keys near her again. So there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. 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 And so those of you who have been wounded by loved ones and you've been wounded or maybe you've been abused or maybe you've been, you need to forgive them, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you automatically trust them. So forgiveness, transactional forgiveness is when the person comes to you and they acknowledge their sin and they acknowledge what they've done. However, we can't stop there because there is a deeper level. Transactional forgiveness is for the purpose of renewed and restored relationship. However, unilateral forgiveness is for you. It's for you. Notice what unilateral forgiveness is. It's when you forgive the offender and the offender hasn't asked for it. The offender hasn't requested it. The offender hasn't confessed and repented of what they did to you. You are on your own without their involvement granting them forgiveness. It's unilateral. It says, I forgive you because I know what unforgiveness will do to me. I forgive you because I want to be whole. I forgive you in my heart, and that's where the the location is. I forgive you in my heart doesn't necessarily mean we have a relationship now, but it means I am free. I can deal with you without pain. I can deal with you without hate and bitterness and anger and resentment. I can deal with you because I'm now free. And the forgiveness isn't setting the other person free. The forgiveness is setting you free. It's unilateral. Unilateral forgiveness. Transactional forgiveness. The example in Scripture is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Transactional forgiveness, there's an if. If you confess, then there is forgiveness. However, unilateral forgiveness is what Jesus gave On the cross. Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He didn't require confession. He didn't require repentance. He didn't require acknowledgement. He didn't require an apology. He was saying, I forgive because that's just who I am. That's just what I am. That's just how I am. And I am freeing myself up, and I'm freeing God the Father up, and I'm freeing you up for thinking that God is angry with you, God hates you, God is bitter towards you. No, God has forgiven you, and that forgiveness is available for relationship if you confess. But make no mistake, there's unilateral forgiveness. Let me say this parenthetically, well, the illustration that I gave before about the, the, uh, 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 the unrighteous servant. For many of us, we need unilateral forgiveness because for some people who have hurt us, we'll never get what we want. You'll never get an acknowledgement. You'll never get a, an apology. You'll never get a confession. You'll never get a, rela- uh, 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 a, a, a turning around of, of that. For some of us, the people who have wounded us are already dead. 
And we're asking God for something we'll never get. And you're haunted by a ghost that's got you enslaved. For many of us, maybe we don't see them anymore. Maybe it was a period in our lives. Maybe it was childhood and there's no interaction with them. You don't even know where they are anymore. God says you need to forgive them in, in your heart for you, not for them. You don't need to go find them and tell them that you forgive them. You don't need to have any kind of relationship. No, you need to be free. And you need to be whole. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's unilateral forgiveness. It is forgiveness solely on your part, your heart, for your spiritual health, for your physical health, for your mind, for your psychological health, all of it. And many of us are in bondage today. You don't have to look at me like that. I know that the Holy Spirit is here right now. I know that the Holy Spirit has His finger on people's hearts right now. I had it. I was going through church for years. I was even a pastor and hated my daddy. And so that you ask the Holy Spirit to put that person in your mind right now. Because the depth of forgiveness affects every area of our lives. And as a talking point, as a crosstalk to that loved one, that person that you're sharing with, they need to know the importance and significance of forgiveness because people are mean and hateful and unforgiving and bitter all because they're holding on to stuff that they're not supposed to hold on to. And shackled. God wants you to be free. We've talked about the depth of forgiveness. We've talked about the definition of forgiveness. And I want to close out with the decision to forgive. Won't everybody say the decision to forgive? Imagine a table in front of me with two cups, two glasses, two clear glasses of liquid in each both in, in both of them. One has water. And the other has acid. The one with acid looks real good and you gravitate toward it. And you begin to drink. And as you drink that acid, it begins to burn your insides. It begins to do damage. It begins to kill you. Because it wasn't water. It was acid. Well, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4 through new eyes. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, it says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now I want you to look at that passage. And those words in the beginning of that passage are acid. And the words at the end of that passage are living water. Notice what happens when we're unforgiving. Let all bitterness, that's acid. Let all wrath, that's acid. Let all anger, that's acid. Let all clamor, that's acid. Let all evil speaking. Remember I gave you the linchpin of forgiveness? You stop talking evil about other people. Let all evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And here's the living water. And be kind to one another. 
tender-hearted. And you say, well, Pastor Mike, how do I make a decision to forgive? There's only one way, and that's having the right perspective. And the right perspective is being kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. The only thing that gives me the ability to forgive other people is to understand how much I have been forgiven. How evil my own heart is. How I have wounded people. How I have offended people. And how I have offended God. And many of the people I talk to look at the Ten Commandments as a way to give, uh, get to heaven. Oh yeah, I know I'm going to heaven because I live by the Ten Commandments. I look at them a different way. I look at the Ten Commandments as, as a, a proof, positive statement of my own condemnation. Have no other gods before me. I have had gods before you. That makes me an idolater. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. I've taken the name of the Lord in vain. I'm a blasphemer. Don't steal. I've stolen. That makes me a thief. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. That makes me a liar. Because I've done it. Well, Pastor Mike, you're basically a good person. You hadn't killed anybody. No, the Scripture says that Jesus went to the cross because of my sin. I'm a murderer. When I think about it, I'm a blaspheming, lying, thieving, idolatry, uh, idolater who is a murderer. So when I get to forgiveness, the Lord says you give them the same kind of forgiveness that I gave you. I want you to be open to transactional forgiveness where you restore the relationship. And I want you to be the one that takes the lead in the restoration because I've given you a ministry of reconciliation. And I want you to be open to unilateral forgiveness where you're able to pray for them what I prayed for you on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Men and women, I believe if we forgive a little more, people will start believing us a little more. I believe if we forgive a little more and, and show a little love a little more, people will start believing our message. People will start believing Jesus is real. People will start believing that Jesus saves. <laughs> They'll start believing that Jesus changes lives. They'll start believing that we really do have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us because he forgave the unforgivable. Men and women, it's possible. Men and women, it happens all the time. I remember in the news years ago, well, only a few years ago, where that man was in his apartment watching TV. And this, this, this police officer, woman police officer, enters into his apartment thinking that she's entering into her own apartment, thinking that he is there, and kills him. And the whole country was in an uproar because the brother of this murdered man in court says, I forgive you. How can you forgive? Black people just 
forgive so easily. And they, no, they got to pay. They got to do this. They got to do that. No, no. She was guilty. She was in court. She was going to get her justice. You know what that young man was doing? He said, I need to forgive her for me. I need to forgive her for me. She's not the one in bondage. I am if I hold on to unforgiveness. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Because I forgive, I forgive. The only reason why I forgive is because Jesus Christ has forgiven me. I'll close with this. Joseph was a man who, who, who could be unforgiving and, uh, uh, and, and, and be justified for it like no other. His brothers put him in a pit. His brothers ended up selling him away. He was put in uh, the, 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 the service of a leader. He was falsely accused of molestation. He was put in prison. He did good while he was in prison. And the people who were there promised to remember him when they got out. They didn't remember him. He was eventually gets out. He makes his way to the palace. And then all of a sudden he sees the brothers that sold him into bondage. He could have been angry. He could have held on to bitterness. He could have exhibited his wrath upon his brothers. But then he reveals himself to his brothers. His brothers are shocked. He gives them a series of tests to see whether or not they have really, really want relationship with him. And they pass each one of the tests. And at the very end, he reveals himself to his brothers and says to them, you go to daddy and tell daddy I'm alive. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, you go home to daddy and tell daddy everything you did to me. He says, you go home to daddy and tell him I'm alive. You don't even have to reveal what you did. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Because God, he puts our sin under his feet. He doesn't take into account the wrongs that are suffered. He just wants relationship. They bring daddy to him. They have a family reunion. And all of a sudden, Jacob dies and his brothers think, well, maybe he's holding on to this unforgiveness till daddy dies. And he knows what they were thinking and he brings them into his presence. And they weep together and they hug together because they, they, he knows that God has put them together as brothers. And he tells them, don't you worry. It's all right, because what you meant for evil is what God meant for good to bring this perfect circumstance that has come here. Because if God hadn't put me in Egypt, if God hadn't put me in, in, in the palace, the whole world would suffer from famine. The whole world would be affected, and you would be gone. So what you meant for evil, God meant for 
good. And what I'm telling you is what, what we meant for evil and putting Jesus on the cross, Jesus meant for good. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus says to us, brothers, don't you fret. Don't you fear. I have got this thing because what you meant to kill me is the very thing that God uses to save you. And when you get excited about that, then this little stuff that people do to us, you can say, as Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We got to know the depth of forgiveness. We got to know the definition of forgiveness. And we've got to make a decision to forgive. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, there could be one or two here today that are struggling with forgiveness. Set them free right now. Set them free right now. Open up their hearts. And and for some, allow them to even open up their mouths to say about that offender, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. I'm praying for them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, liberate me from, from anger and bitterness and malice, from wrath, from wanting to get even. Deliver me from evil speaking. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because, Father, I know that if I talk so much about them, that means I'm not talking about you. So, Father, fill my heart with thanksgiving. Fill my heart with praise. Fill my heart with worship. Help me to know that that I'm living out of fullness and not emptiness. Revive me so that I might be a forgiver today, just like you. In Jesus' name, won't you say amen? Amen. 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 And amen. Won't you stand up? Stand up. Practice revival today. That means you are so full that you can't help but talk about Jesus. That you're so full that whatever evil that comes across your path, it just rolls off of you because you're so full. Father, put a spiritual force field around us to protect our thanksgiving to protect our praise, to make sure our heart is a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone. Help us to see the other person who is in need of forgiveness the same way we are. Oh, Father, help us to lead other people to victory and to freedom. Now to him who is able to keep keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before his throne. To the only wise God, our heavenly Father, be glory, dominion, and power, henceforth, now, and forevermore. And all God's children said, Amen. God bless you. Greet one another as you leave until we gather again. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you've been blessed. 
For more information about our church, we invite you to either visit our website at harvestcpc.com or call us at 205-853-5033. Until next time, be blessed.